Would you like to say grace? It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day, day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day. By day. Amen. Amen. There are things in my life that will not happen and I will not get to experience if I don't pray. My eighth grade social studies teacher, Mr. Manuel, took he took an interest in a few of us that he probably saw as problem children. At that time I didn't realize that, but he took an interest in our lives, not just an interest, but a spiritual interest. To where he would come up to me, and he would say, Donnie, I am praying for you. And he would go up to my friends and say, guys, I'm praying for you. And then he would come up to us and say things like, have you accepted the Lord? I mean, you want to make an eighth grader uncomfortable. Ask that question. He always would come up and say, I'm praying for you. In spite of us making fun of him behind his back, in front of his face, he would just say, want you know I'm praying for you. Moved on from junior high to high school and Mr. Manuel would run into me in the store. Same question. Have you accepted the Lord yet? I'd be like, man, lighten up a little bit, you know? And he would always say, I'm praying for you. He would say things like, you are going to do great things for the kingdom of God someday, Donnie. I just know it. And he, he was using talk that I didn't understand words. I didn't know what, what was the kingdom of God. What are you talking about? What's it mean? Accept the Lord. I'm not getting what you're talking about. But he would consistently ask me that question over and over again. Moved on from high school and ended up at college where I did finally accept the Lord. And I thought, I've got to call Mr. Manuel. He, he's got to know about this, so I call him up. Hey, Mr. Manuel, this is Donnie Williams. Remember me? He goes, you accepted the Lord, didn't you? First thing he said. And I was like, man, that was weird. He said, I've been praying for you because you're going to do great things for the kingdom of God. Then I was starting to understand a little bit more what he was talking about. And, 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 and by then, he was a traveling uh, evangelist, surprised, you know, that he became that. And he was no longer teaching school. And, and he just, he said, I've got to come see you. I'm going to be in town day after next. I'm going to come by, come by your apartment, tell me where you are. So I told him where I live. He come by. He says, I'm going to take you to lunch. So we go out and we get in his car and he turns the ignition. Nothing happens. Turns it again. Nothing happens. He goes, just a minute. Gets out, shuts the door. I am not exaggerating. He puts his hands on the hood of the car. And he starts praying. 
22 years old, sitting in the passenger seat going, <laughs> this is heavy. <laughs> he gets back in the car, and in my mind, I'm going, no way, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. He turned it, and it started. I like scooted over a little bit closer to the door. I was like, okay, this is getting weird. So we, we go to lunch, and then several more years go by. I'm living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's a long way from Huntington, West Virginia, where I saw him the last time. He calls me up. Hey, Donnie, this is Mr. Manuel coming through town. Hey, been praying for you, buddy. Just want you to know you're going to do great things for the kingdom of God. I'm coming through, and I'd like to take you to dinner. So I told him where I lived, and he came by, and I said, let me drive this time. So, so we go out, we get my car, it fires up the first time, and we, we go to dinner. But on the way to dinner, I wasn't paying attention. We were talking. I pull out right in front of a car. I mean, right in front of this car that was speeding down the highway. And in like three seconds, he said the fastest prayer. I didn't understand what he was saying, but it was like blah, blah, real fast. He threw his hands up, prayed this prayer, and the car got stopped. It missed us. And then we went on to dinner. And he went on to tell me how he'd been praying for me, that he just knew I was going to do great things in the kingdom of God. Now, did I become a Christ follower because he prayed? Would I have become a Christ follower anyway? Would that car have started the second time anyway? It was a Ford, so. <laughs> Would that car have missed us anyway? Would I have been able to have the impact that, that my life may have? Would that have happened anyway without his prayers? Maybe. How many times have you prayed? You, you got the formula, you read a book, you asked a friend, and you got on your knees and you prayed and you communicated with God and you, you asked God for something or, or, or begged God to change a situation and nothing happened. The person you prayed for still died. The, the, the lab results still came back bad. The relationship still ended. You didn't get the job. You didn't get the raise. And you're still lonely. And your experience with prayer just ended up being a big disappointment. I felt that same thing. Pray for something and it not happen. But as I read my Bible and see all that the Bible has to say about prayer, this, this communication with God, there's one thing I know is true about prayer. That there are things that will not happen in my life and things I won't experience if I don't pray. Ask yourself the question, if I started to pray daily, would my life change? If I started to pray every day, would things be different? If I started to do what it says in 1 Thessalonians, the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 17, great verse to memorize, two words, pray continually. If I started to do that, would my life look different? You know, as you read through the Bible, over and over again, people are attempting to communicate with God. Four messages ago, I invited you in on a journey. If you're here for the first time, it doesn't matter that you missed the other ones. But I invited everybody in on this journey, a journey of spiritual growth. And today is the, the last part in this series that I called 
mosaic. Now, I've been talking about spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits. Now, I know the word discipline doesn't make it go, oh boy, I get to be disciplined. That sounds like a lot of fun. A discipline, many times when people think of a discipline, you think of something you can't do. I can't exercise. I'm not disciplined enough to eat right. Most of the time we think about discipline, we think about the things we're unable to do. But that's not the definition I've been using. The definition I've been using comes from a book called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. And it says, he says this about a spiritual discipline or habit. It's any activity I do by direct effort that will help me do what I cannot now do by direct effort. And when I read that, I thought, what if I went through some messages that talked about that little thing that we can do to get to the things we can't do? What if we just gave some practical things every week for you to go away and do something you can do instead of feeling like, I could never do that. There's no way I could have that. I I can't read my Bible an hour a day. Well, you probably can't. But what, what if we start with some things you can do, and before you know it, you're going to be doing things in the future that you're not able to do right now? So I thought, let's call this series Mosaic. Because as we figure out these little things that we can do, that may not seem like a lot, that may not seem like they're going to rock our world, that, that may not seem like they're going to change our lives, but if, as we start to put those things together and then back up and change our perspective and stop just looking at life through one perspective for that one thing you're after, whatever it is, house, car, job, relationship, you just back up and start to look at life differently with all those pieces put into place, then all of a sudden, you will be able to become the masterpiece that God created you to be. So I've invited you in to participate in your own spiritual growth that goes beyond what we do here for an hour on Sunday. The first week I talked about Bible study and how important it is to allow God to reveal himself to you through reading his word. Out of the info booth, you can still get them today. Life journals. If you didn't get one, go get one. You start to go through that, you will begin to see things you've never seen before. Then the next week, I talked about how God asks people to rest. In fact, God commands us to rest. And we'll learn things through rest we could have never learned otherwise. And then the next week, I talked about fasting, denying ourselves something In our lives, sometimes food, sometimes not. Sometimes denying ourselves something in our life for a defined period of time so we can better hear God. So today, this fourth and last discipline or habit in this series is obviously prayer. And prayer is just this. It's deliberate communication with God. Communication is a powerful thing. I can tell my wife and I have not been communicating. I can tell when it's time to get away and and we need to just talk. We need to just communicate with each other. Because maybe one or both of us, we've not been listening. We've not been sitting down looking face to face and communicating. A marriage without healthy communication is not a healthy marriage. A relationship without healthy communication is not a healthy relationship. 
And my relationship with God will never be what it could be without regular communication with Him. Sometimes I hear people say, I prayed for hours. I was on my knees before God for two hours, and I think, you did not. You mean, for two hours, you thought, consistent thoughts on your knees, and you prayed a prayer for two hours? That's like blows my mind to think one thing for that long. But still, God says, pray. When I was new to this whole faith thing, and I would hear people talk about these hours and hours of prayers and these long prayers, I thought, prayer must be something that's just for church. You know, it's just like when you want to do some holy talk, and they go up on stage and they do all this holy talk. That must be what prayer is. Or if I haven't studied for a test, I'm in a bind, I really need some help. Or if I need a parking place close to the front door. Or if I need a green light and traffic's real big. That, that must be what prayer is for. God does care about the small things in our lives. But a lot of times, if you're like me, I end up praying desperation prayers. In the middle of something and then saying, oh God, you got to help me. You, you got to come through for me. You got to give me this or don't let that happen to me. Oh God, you've got to help me. I'm, I'm desperate. And then God comes through and then it's like, Thank you very much. I'll call you when I get in trouble again. Those are not the kind of prayers Jesus talked about in Scripture. Prayer is totally different from just focusing on the small stuff or even just focusing on the big stuff. Prayer is the most effective way to cultivate my relationship with God. If, if you don't have a relationship with God... It's the most effective way to get a relationship with God. Prayer that's beyond what you see on Oprah or Dr. Phil, a different kind of prayer. Jesus said some bold things in Scripture that blew some people's minds. Some of the most bold statements he ever made had to do with prayer. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Jesus is saying with these statements, pray big prayers. One time in Jesus' ministry, they were out teaching and among the people, and this father brought his son who they said was, had an evil spirit, that he was possessed. And he asked the disciples, Jesus' followers, he said, could, could you help my son? Could you heal him? Could you get this demon out of him? And they tried, and they couldn't. So the father brings the boy to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, your disciples tried to heal my son. They tried to get this demon out, cast it out of him, and, and it didn't work. They couldn't do it. So Jesus pulls the boy aside and immediately heals him. I'm sure that his disciples are standing there like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We just did the same thing. 
Jesus, you said we could do what you did, and, and we've healed people before, we've cast out demons before, but all of a sudden, we're not able to, and you're able to. Jesus, how did that happen? Now, if I'm Jesus, I'd be saying, well, because I'm Jesus. <laughs> what do you expect? I can do those kind of things. That's not what he told him. He said, very simply, in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, this kind can only come out by prayer. And those guys have to be thinking, wait, 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 wait a minute. We pray. We, we pray with you every day. We pray with you. We watch you pray. We pray together. We pray alone. We pray, and you're telling us the reason that we couldn't cast out this demon and heal this boy is because we didn't pray? There's things I will not experience because I don't pray. Jesus went on to say to his disciples that day, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Jesus is saying, pray mountain-moving prayers. And I thought, have I ever prayed a mountain-moving prayer where I had the faith that it would move? Have I ever prayed that in my life? Several years ago, when Cinda and I first got married, not long after we first got married, we decided we, we want to start a family. We want to have a child. It took a little longer than we wanted. God's timeline and our timelines were not the same. And at that time in my life, I was journaling my prayers every single day. I was spending time because this is something we really wanted. So I was journaling, journaling, journaling. And it got to where I was frustrated. I was frustrated with God thinking, okay, I've given my life to you. I, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm following you into all these areas I never thought I would be. And all I'm asking for is a baby. That's it. We want a child. We want to raise a family. So I'm writing this down, and I'm, I'm voicing my frustrations in print to God, saying, God, w- what gives? What's up? We want a child. And, and I even went on to give detailed specifics this is the kind of child I want. I want a girl. And this is what we want to name her. And I just went right on down the list in frustration to God. And then I just moved on to the next day. And I kept praying. But I prayed this prayer thinking, okay, God, I'm frustrated. I don't know what the deal is. We want a child. And you're not giving us one. What keeps me from praying mountain-moving prayers? Ask yourself that question. What keeps me from praying mountain-moving prayers? Here's why I think many times I don't and why we don't pray these mountain-moving prayers. One thing is I feel nothing. When I pray and I ask God to deliver, I ask God to do, I ask God to act, sometimes nothing happens. I don't feel anything. I don't hear anything. Just nothing. And it's like, well, why even pray? And maybe you find yourself at the place where I've been in my life where you think, when I speak to God, it feels like I'm speaking into the air. Well, maybe that's because when God speaks to you, He feels like He's speaking into the air. See, communication has to go two ways. Communication is not just a one-way thing. You have to speak And you have to listen. 
And I'm thinking, okay, how does God speak? How can I hear God? Because I've never heard him verbally. And I have to admit, when I hear people say that, I, I, I have my doubts. Like, you heard him audibly say something to you? I'm not sure about that. But still, God communicates to us. Maybe sometimes I'm so wrapped up in my thing that I'm not able to hear what God's trying to say. I have to admit this to you. I have a problem listening sometimes, well, a lot of the times. My wife's like, amen. Can I get, you know, she's speaking out today. I, I do. I have a problem listening. Sometimes when I'm talking to you, and I, 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 I feel like I've really overcome this, but you might be thinking, he's looking, but he ain't hearing what I'm saying. I see his eyes and he's nodding his head. And, you know, so my wife sometimes has to, are you listening to me? Because my mind starts to race at what I'm going to say back. And, and, and so I have to force myself to listen. Sometimes you may just have to force yourself to listen to God. To stop thinking, saying, God, I want this. God, I want that. God, deliver. And just stop and just listen. And allow God to communicate to you. And you think, well, how does he communicate? Okay, I'll stop and listen, but how does that look? Well, that's what I've been talking about for the last three weeks. Listening to God through opening up his word and seeing what he's had to say to mankind throughout all the generations. God speaks through that. And he'll speak to you through that. Spending time resting when you disengage your mind from everything else and you just rest and you just listen and it's just quiet. God can communicate through that. Taking some time to fast, to deny myself something for a defined period of time so I can better hear what God has to say in my life. Those are just three of the ways that God can communicate to us. Through those and through prayer, God communicates. Another thing that keeps me from praying mountain-moving prayers is praying small stuff is just less risky. Praying for good grades and, and jobs and parking lot spaces next to the door and red lights and green lights and all that, that's just less risky. Because if, if God doesn't come through, nobody really knows about it. But if you pray for something and you say, pray for this, and it's something that defies human logic, something that makes no earthly sense, What if it doesn't happen? What if that thing you prayed for never happens and you already ask everybody, so maybe God would look bad and I may look like I have my faith in something that doesn't provide any answers to life. So it's easier just to stick to the small stuff. But still, there's things I won't experience because I don't pray. Maybe you're not praying mountain-moving prayers because you think, oh, it won't happen to me. That prayer stuff, is that's like or professional holy people like Billy Graham or, or somebody like that. That's like a professional good person. That would never happen to me. Maybe your answer or your reason is you just don't know how. Do I do it in a certain way? Do I stand up? Do I sit? Do I have a certain posture? Is it while I'm driving? Is it Do I speak out loud? Speak to myself? Do I do it in a group of people? Do I write it down? All those things, yes. There's not just one certain way to pray. But no matter how you pray... There are things you'll never experience if you don't pray. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, 
and it will move. You know, when Jesus was telling them this story or talking to them about this mountain moving experience they all needed to have, he was in Jerusalem, and, and this is against a historical and a geographical backdrop, and they're all standing there. And Jesus is pointing to a mountain, probably, while he's saying this. Because in the distance, there was a mountain that he was saying, if you say to that mountain, move from here to there, it will move. And the mountain he very well could have been pointing at was a mountain that had this huge palace on top of it, built by Herod the Great. And Herod the Great one time, after conquering another nation, came back to Jerusalem and decided that he was going to build the highest palace around, the biggest, baddest, highest. Everybody would know Herod is great, and he's better than anybody around because look at his palace, higher than anybody else's. Herod was a great builder. He was not a good king. He was an evil man. But Herod wanted this mountain, this palace on top of this mountain so bad that he wouldn't let a mountain not being there keep it from happening. So what he did, he had dirt brought in and he built a mountain. This is first century stuff. He built a mountain. And everybody in that area would have known that's the mountain that Herod built. That's the one he moved from out there to overhear so he could build his palace on top of it. And Jesus is saying, you see that mountain? That mountain that was moved by a man? Great things like that can happen for you too if you just have faith and say to that mountain, move. If you'll just pray mountain-moving prayers, things like that can happen for you too. Are you dealing with some mountains in your life? Some relational mountains or vocational mountains? Maybe something physical that's a mountain or spiritual that's a mountain. Jesus says, pray, and that mountain will move. So I had this prayer journal, and I'm writing that prayer down, and I'm saying, God, I'm upset with you. We want to have a child here by this time next year. God, we, we really want this child. And I gave him my want list of all my specifics. And then about a couple years later, I'm looking back through my prayer journal. And I prayed that original prayer when I wrote all that out in frustration with God on December 18th, 1994. And on December 18th, 1995... Our first child was born. And God answered my mountain-moving prayer to have a child, a girl, so we could name her what we named her by this time next year. He got it in just under the wire. It was on on the day. But he answered my mountain-moving prayer. And as I was thinking about this message and thinking, I need to tell that story, I thought, why aren't there any other big mountain-moving prayers in my life that I can just immediately think of? Maybe it's because I don't pray enough mountain-moving prayers. There are things that I will never experience because I don't pray. God always answers. It may not be the way we think. It may not be the answer we like, but He always answers. There's things that I'll never experience because I don't pray. And Jesus said, 
If you say to that mountain, move from here to there, it will move. So there's another piece of the masterpiece of your life that God wants to create that you can put in the picture as you change your perspective and you back up and you become everything that God has planned for you, everything he wants you to be. When you came in today, you got a rock. If you didn't get one, you can grab one on the way out. I have a challenge for you. I have a mountain prayer challenge for you. Take this rock, put it in your pocket or on your dashboard or on your desk or in your locker, your, your backpack, wherever you can see it on a regular basis to remind you of your mountain moving prayer. You may immediately know what it is. After first service, somebody came out and said, I know exactly what it is. I'm going to put this rock where I can see it. I'm going to pray for it every day. You may have to think about it for a little while. But what would your life look like if you started to pray mountain-moving prayers? What would your family look like if you started to pray mountain-moving prayers? What would your relationships look like, your marriage, your kids, the future? What would it look like if you started to pray mountain-moving prayers? And I challenge every person in here to do it. Maybe you don't even know Christ. Maybe you've never accepted him, become a Christ follower. Pray mountain-moving prayers, and your life will change in a way that you maybe never thought it could. What if a whole church, what if our whole spiritual family decided, we're going to pray mountain-moving prayers? What could God do with that? Well, I know at the very least, he'll move mountains with it. Because that's his promise. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. There's things in my life I won't experience because I don't pray. May you pray prayers that can move mountains. So this series, Mosaic, if you begin to do these things that we've talked about, not in a regimented, legalistic kind of way, but to do them to better experience God, you will grow. You'll grow by starting with the little things that you can do into the things you're unable to do now. And then one day you'll take that one more piece and you'll put it in the puzzle, you'll put it in the picture, and you'll step back and your perspective will have changed and you'll look around and say, I've grown. My life is different.